mighty God, loving Father, comforting Holy Spirit, Savior, Redeemer, friend, Lord Jesus. We come. We come as your children. We come frail and weak in our own way. But because we are, we can be made strong because you indwell us with a power greater than anything the world could ever muster. And we come in that power with gratitude that when we are weak, you make us strong. When we are broken, you make us whole. When we are rebellious, you come and find us. And like a kicking and screaming child, you gather us up into your arms and you draw us to yourself with an embrace that sometimes is so tight it hurts. But Lord, we know it's for our good. We know you have hold of us. We know you have hold of Sutherland Springs and that church and everyone who was directly or indirectly affected there. We know the pastor lost his 14-year-old daughter. We know little children were killed. We know people in their 70s and 80s were killed. But Lord, they were not killed forever because they were there worshiping you. They were on bended knee. And we continue to remember those who were traumatized or killed or lost loved ones in Las Vegas. And we remember what happened in Houston in the storms and the lives lost there. And the litany of all the places that are, your grace is needed. We remember those in this community and this congregation who are facing very serious illness. And even transitions home from this life into the life that really is life with you. And we come before you humbly, our Father, asking that you would do in us and through us whatever you know is needed so that we might be testimony, witness, instruments of your healing power. Lord, we, we pray that we would do that very practically and in, intentionally every day, every hour, that we would be surrendering to you so that your will could be done as we pray, as we live. Lord, use your church far and wide. Make us your vessel as we seek to live out the good news of the saving grace and the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. If you've been reading the little booklet, My Heart Christ's Home, Jesus comes to the house and he says, you know what, something upstairs is rotten. It, it needs to be taken care of. And the man that's been walking him through says, oh, I'll take care of that. And Jesus says, no, I, I need to do it. And so we need to recognize that sometimes there can be things in our lives that are idols that need to be removed, and he wants to do that for us. So this morning, we're going to turn to a couple of scriptures that really help us to see that, and then we're going to reflect upon it together. So listen as I read God's word for us, first from Psalm 139 that Doug started us off with in our prelude this morning, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 23 to 24. Listen to God's word as I read it for us. David writes, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, think about this as a prayer, the same way. Take this and make this your prayer every day. Oh, Lord, you, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
even before a word is on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus speaks of what it will look like for that to take place in the Sermon on the Mount. And in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also this is the word of the lord thanks be to god may god take hold of our hearts and give them a great desire to be searched and a great desire to have only who god is as we listen to him today let's pray Our Father, as we come, we pray that your good news would come and find us, not only in word, but in power, in and through your Holy Spirit, and that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And so we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we, we all have one. We have a closet where we keep our stuff. Jane, Jeff, you know about the closet where people keep their stuff. Barbara and John, you know about that. But that's not the kind of stuff we're really talking about. Because even when Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, He's not talking so much about our material stuff as he is what our, where our hearts are. That's why he says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. The reality is, we all have stuff. And it is of a far greater degree emotional and spiritual stuff that we never want to let go of. Oh, it might be, it might be an idol. It might be a physical idol that that symbolizes what's going on inside, but it's what's going on inside that really needs to be cleaned up. It's stuff we do not want God to see, and that's why the owner of this house says, oh, Jesus, that's that's not a smell that you're really smelling. That's just the neighbors. That's something else. It's not really here. But the reality is we do have stuff that stinks, and we don't want God to see it, and we don't want God to deal with it. As if God doesn't know. <laughs> you know search me, O Lord. You, you, Lord, you know my steps from far off, David says. You know exactly what's going on. Jesus did not have to go upstairs in that man's house to know exactly what was going on in that closet because he was looking into that man's heart just like he looks into your heart and my heart and knows why there's something smelly. Aren't we silly? <laughs> Aren't we silly that we would think 
that something that's in our lives that is rotting could be hidden from God. We can't even really hide it from ourselves. This piece of My Heart, Christ's Home, describes how Jesus encounters our closet and how he calls us into the prayer closet. You know, Jesus does talk about closets. There's a blessed closet. There's a closet Jesus wants us in. It's the closet of prayer where we go in just with Jesus and our hearts open to him. And so that we can discover that the only thing we really need is for him to be in our closet all the time, emptying it out and fellowshipping only with us. So what does it mean on a very day-to-day practical level to, for the closet to be emptied out? What does it mean for your closet, my closet, to be emptied? Well, Charles Spurgeon wrote in the 19th century, God will empty out all that you have before he will put his own into you. God will empty out all that you have before he will put his own into you. He will clean out your granaries before he will fill them with the finest wheat. We do not want our closets emptied out of everything. That's the problem. There are certain sacred calves, sacred cows that we want to hold on to emotionally, spiritually, and in some cases, practically. They're our favorites. But God knows they need to be taken out, even, at the, even to the point of breaking our heart. Do you think God is in the heartbreaking business? How many of you think God is in the heartbreaking business? I want to see more hands, because God is in the business of breaking hearts. God knows our hearts need to be broken because too often our hearts are wrapped around something that is an earthly treasure, an earthly model of hope. A.W. Tozer of this said, describing what it really means to have God empty our closets out, it is doubtful whether God can really bless a person greatly until he has hurt that person deeply. Whoa. See, God knows that sometimes we need to be hurt so that we are completely, completely at his disposal. Because until we are, nothing of this world is going to make us complete. So why? Why do we hold on to stuff we don't need that only harms our relationship with God? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you very simply. Because we are afraid. We hold on to things because we are afraid that if we don't have them, we won't be complete. And you know who put that idea there? Satan, the devil, making us afraid that if we don't have whatever it is, and I'm going to show you something here in a minute that describes how silly that is, we're afraid we won't be complete, that we will be left devastated. And the reality is that fear causes worry. Now, none of you worry, right? Okay, so I don't see any hands up. We have no worriers. Fear causes worry. If you ever worry, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I really afraid of? And that causes anxiety. And it it causes us to stuff away a lot of, of things that only make us miserable because 
Those things are promising to protect us from fear and worry, and they never do. We get more and more of them. We fill ourselves up with them. And all that happens is we stink because stuff starts to rot. When the people of Israel were in the wilderness and they went out and tried to, to gather more than God called them to gather, do you know what happened? But by the next morning, they had it all tucked away. God said, get one quart, they got two. Do you know what was happening with the second quart? Maggots. Rot. Same thing for us. That is not just some sort of little fairy tale. When we try to gather more of what we don't need and not rely upon God's daily provision, it will rot and stink. And it will make us miserable. And when that stuff is gone, here's the good news. When that stuff is gone and we're only relying on God, we are free to serve Jesus completely. But we, we don't do that very readily. We make ourselves miserable. And we think we need stuff that is just stupid. A long time ago, there was a movie called The Jerk. It was about me. And I'm only halfway kidding. It really is about me. And I maybe have told you this story before. And I, I, was, going to, I was going to just tell you that story. So I went to look at the clip of that. And I thought, no, you just need to see it. So if you... Dave, if you would play, or Margaret, would you play that clip for us? It's rather poignant. It's from a comedy, but it's a actually very sad. Watch this. Well, I'm an adult man, and I don't need any of this. I don't need this stuff, and I don't need you. I don't need anything except this. And I say, that's the only thing I need is this. I don't need this or this. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just thought about it. First time I saw that, it was 1979. It was a brand new movie. And we were on our way to see it with 
Nancy's sister and brother-in-law, and, and we drove by this appliance store. Jeff, you'll even know it. And my sister-in-law goes, Mr. Depp and Dable? <laughs> Mr. Dependable. <laughs> and that's just it. Je Jesus is Mr. Dependable, and we can't even pronounce his name. Yeah. His pants are down around his feet. He's falling over. And the irony is, the very one who loves him most is standing there sobbing because he doesn't think he needs the thing he needs most. There it is. We need Jesus. My friends, it's, it's not simplistic, but it's very simple. We need Jesus Christ for all those things that break our hearts. What do the scriptures tell us? Moth and rust will consume. What are the moth and, and rust? It's all the very dependable things of this life that will always come and take away all the barricades we think we, and the insulation we put around our hearts to keep us safe. Uh-uh. No. The only thing that will keep us safe is the love of Jesus Christ. And we need him to come in and search the closet of our hearts and ask us, what is it that's making you afraid? What is it you're worried about? And what is it that you're depending on that has become just an idol and is killing you and stinks? Let's look closely at Psalm 139. It's a psalm of David. He, he wrote this very much in the spirit of our opening call to worship, Psalm 51, when he'd been caught in his devastating sin with Bathsheba in which he had her husband killed to try and cover up his sin. He acknowledges in this, God has searched him. Oh Lord, you know my heart. You know everything about me. Why am I trying to hide? As if that stuff couldn't be entrusted to you and your grace. When Jesus is in the house of our hearts, my friends, he knows that something is wrong in the closet. He knows whatever it is, and he knows that it stinks, and he wants to do something about it for us because he loves us. David says, you know my every move. You know what I will do and what I will say. And you put a hedge around me, the psalm says. You won't let me out of your sight. God could get disgusted with us and go, you just go. But he doesn't. He keeps us in his sight. He's watching all the stinky things we let happen and come into our lives. He's watching carefully. David says, your hand is upon me. God never takes his hand off of us. It, it is beyond my ability, he says, to realize the depth of what you know of me. Now, there's a confession we need to make every day. Order my steps according to your word. It's too wonderful for me to know. You know what I need. So why? Why does God bother with us? Why does God bother with this jerk who is walking around with his pants around his ankles, holding on to a chair and a paddle ball and a remote control, the batteries of which are probably dead or missing? Why? You know why? Because God loves us immeasurably, deeply. It is beyond our ability to comprehend how much God loves us. But there's a sign right there that he would give his own son. Why does God care about what is in the closet of our hearts? Couldn't he just leave well enough alone? No. Because well enough isn't enough. Because God knows that whatever's in the closet of our hearts, 
whatever we're holding on to is keeping us from being who and where he knows we need to be, to be complete, to be whole, because he knows it will keep us from being his. There it is. God says, I want you to be mine. I don't want you to belong to the world. I don't want you to belong to a moth or rust or some stinky buzzard. And so it is that Jesus says, I can't live here in your life if this stinky thing is here. And then he does two gracious things. He doesn't let us go. But what does he offer to do? He offers to clean the closet. Search me, O God. David says, Lord, you come and clean the closet. I'm helpless. And Jesus does. He says, I'll clean it out. You show me what you're holding on to. I'll get it and remove it. In Psalm 103, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our sins, our resistance to God from us. And then the second thing he offers to do is to put it into our hearts to want him to clean out our closet. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, we've just read, Jesus the God of all time and space, the creator of everything that is, the one who put the blood in our veins and the air in our lungs, speaks this love in person when he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Your hope isn't here. He isn't talking about just stuff. What he's describing that rust and moth will, will consume are the ways of thinking and living that will go away and leave us with nothing forever that will not satisfy. What's that rust? What's that moth that we are allowing a space to come into? Jesus is describing the things that stink. You know why? Because Jesus is the great spiritual environmentalist. He knows what will pollute the rivers of our lives. Narcissism. Narcissism, caving in on ourselves, trying to preserve ourselves rather than being poured out for that which he loves. Why do we have in the closets of our minds the things that only keep us from being like Jesus who spent every day being cleaned out and poured out for the poor of this world? Why? We have a budget here. If you're visiting with us, you may not know this, and it's good for all of us to be reminded of this. We have a budget that is based on mission for the poor. 10% at least of the first of every dollar that comes in here goes out. But Jesus defines and calls us to those who need our love and his love and presence and understanding and support and an invitation to know him because he redefines who the poor are. Oh yes, some of them are are the poor that have been devastated by poverty financially, but just as readily the poor are people around us that we know very intimately and very well who do not have a clue as to the need for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And our budget is built on realizing that, that we might go to those people in situations with the good news And to go to places that may be the most challenging for us because they're the last people we want to go to, we would feel most awkward going to, we don't want to take that chance, or maybe 
We have to admit to ourselves, we don't even really like that person very much. And we don't really care if we're really honest whether they know. But our budget, the budget of Jesus Christ, is built on those people knowing his love. As our closet, he empties out for them. Jesus did this. He called our lives to be emptied out so there would be room in our lives for us to love the unlovely, whoever they may be. Now, several things happened to me late last week, and I laughed because (laughs) right now I can't even remember what those things were, but I remember in the moment as they were compiling, praying just a a sigh kind of prayer, Lord, Jesus, I, I don't need this right now. I don't need this now. And then I smiled, even as I could sense him say, you know what, Bruce? Yes, you do. You need exactly what's going on, and guess who sent it? I did. I made this happen. These are exactly the things you need. And as soon as I said, Jesus, I don't need this, as soon as I said it to him, I knew that he was searching my heart and showing me just who and what needed to be there and what didn't need to be there. Because if those things weren't there, I would not be trusting him. I would be off on my merry little way. You see, the reason David praised this psalm, calling God to search him, and the reason Jesus knows why we have what we do in our closets, is because God knows how blind we become to what is getting in our way of being his servants and his vessels. John McSween, it's like you reminded me of last Sunday after we were having coffee. The very thing we need to hear and may have been spoken to us escapes us in our passion for the things of the world. Somebody could say, oh, I'm sure glad they were there to hear that today. John shook his head and he goes, you don't think they heard that, do you? It's like this, this sermon about the, the story about the, the pastor who had this one person he was always trying to get into the heart of that he needed to make this change and he was always preaching directly to that person and the the guy never made any kind of change at all and then one Sunday there was a huge storm and the guy was the only guy who showed up at church stop me if you've heard this and the pastor thought great he's got to hear it this time he's the only one here and he just lays into it about the need for change in this guy's life and afterward the guy comes up to him and he goes pastor that was great And the pastor thinks, oh, good, oh, good. That was great. And you know what? If they'd been here, they would have heard it. (laughs) Jesus calls us to make these changes because we can become so blinded by the stuff that we hold on to, the attitudes and the ways of living. But here's the big question. Do we want God's word to examine our lives? Order our steps, Karen, you... You picked that so well. Do we want God's word to examine our lives to where we look in the black and white and we go, that's not how I'm living? Do do we want Jesus to be the master physician who comes with his x-ray vision eyes to look into the bruises and the cuts and the bloodstream of our lives and show us what needs to be changed? Do we want that? Are we willing to trust that he really does know and care far better and far more for us than we do for ourselves. He is the master physician. Are we willing to let him look in and say, Jesus, 
And because the reality is, he's going to look anyway. Are we willing to listen to him and hear what needs to be different about our lives? Or do we want to blithely go our way and go, boy, I'm sure hope, sure hope they heard that. You see, the more we let Jesus search, the more we will trust him and trust that he will not ruin our lives with his exam, but that he will make us whole and complete by removing what needs not to be in our lives. As I talked to uh, Dr. Elizabeth Park this week, Kelly, where are you? There you are. In between uh, getting a crown put on, like I said, Jesus, I don't need this. <laughs> Kelly came in to hold my hand. It'll be all right. She let me get a toy out of the toy box. I felt better then. <laughs> um, I was, Dr. Park was waiting for something to, on my tooth, and we were talking about how people are afraid, particularly in the dentist's office, that they think it will hurt too much to have the treatment take place. And Dr. Park said a very powerful thing. She said, I think some people just don't even know what it means to feel good. I think some people just don't even know what it would mean to feel good. She said, they have felt pain and felt bad for so long that they just don't know how it is. And they are afraid of the pain and they think that it of what it will take to make it different. Wow. She was not just talking about oral procedures, was she? We can be so afraid of what we think it will take and how badly it will hurt in order for God to do in us what really needs to take place. And we, part of the problem is we haven't let that happen. And so we have felt so bad for so long, we think that's just how it is and we just need to be like that. She was talking about how the upper story, and she's been reading and watching the, the, the story uh, that we did re- some time back. She was talking about how the upper story of God's grace finds its way into the cavities and closets of our brokenness. That's God's grace. God knows what's a, a, a broken tooth. God does that x-ray. I said, I, Dr. Park, I, 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 think, I think this tooth is broken like the other one. Natalie takes the x-ray and says, yep, just like the other one, we've got to fix it. How about you? How about me? Are we being jerks? I don't need anything. Just this cup of coffee that's cold. <laughs> huh? How about us? How about us? Are we afraid to let Jesus look into our cavities, into our closet, Do you know how bad you feel because it has been stinking up your life for so long that you don't think it can be any different? Have you just gotten to where you go, well, that's just the way it is. See, Jesus knows this change needs to take place, but Jesus also knows we can't change our lives. We can't. Oh, I I can exercise for a while. I can diet for a while. I can be nice to my neighbor for a while, but it goes away. That's why Jesus came to give himself up for us. All he asks is the key to our hearts, our stories, so that he can go in and clean out all the stuff we are too broken to get rid of. 
the molding stuff that makes us miserable and poisons us and our spirits, that stuff that's in the back of the refrigerator that's been there since three Christmases ago that you didn't know you, how to get rid of that. Oh, you, I, I thought I'd touch on something. <laughs> See, it's only as we let him do this that we can be people who are free to enter the lives of other people who have locked closets and tell them about this amazing love of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I went over to help someone who's house-sitting across the street feed their dogs, and uh, they didn't know how to get the dog to take the medicine. And I said, oh, it's really easy. You just put the medicine in a ball of cheese. And I opened the refrigerator, and the refrigerator was magnificent. Just, I'm going, how does anybody have a refrigerator this clean? And then I realized, oh, yeah, they got it delivered last week. They got a new refrigerator. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus says. You know, let's not try. Most of you who have refrigerators are 22 years old, like mine. Uh, he says, let's not fix this old thing. Let's just put a new stainless steel one in, okay? It's much more efficient. I will give it to you. And we're going, but I've had this one first. I like it. And, and all that stuff in the back, I'll take. No, Jesus says. Just give me the whole refrigerator. Let's just restock it. That's why we're here, to tell other people. They don't have to fix the old refrigerator and hold on to all the stuff that's in it. Nobody likes fruitcake anyway. <laughs> Jesus came to do the extreme home makeover. We tend to think, oh, it's just this little closet. No, it's everything. So, my friends, may today we not be 